0: hello and welcome back to another episode of the girly homesteader podcast on today's episode i'm going to be talking about all that i have learned from the past five months about seed starting both inside and also outside i'm definitely not an expert on this topic at all as i said i've only been doing this for about five months but we have had some successes outside in our garden and um some successes inside, but I definitely feel that I've learned a lot more than I was expecting to. So today's podcast episode, it would be great for beginners. Um, But even if you're a seasoned seed starter, who knows, maybe I do have something that you might have never thought about. So stay tuned for any everything about seeds. Welcome to the Girly Homesteader Podcast. I'm your host, Laura, a part-time homesteader with a full-time love for makeup. This podcast focuses on traditional homesteading topics like gardening, chickens, beekeeping, hunting, fishing, being in harmony with nature, food preservation, cooking, etc. But it also touches on the girly side of things like non-toxic skincare, makeup, and homekeeping. So, If you're ready to learn more about homesteading and keep your girly side along the way, let's get started. So before we get on to seeds, I do have to share some sad news. Um, If you follow me on Instagram, you already know this, but gosh, I feel almost like I jinxed this because last week, the exact day, that um, my podcast episode aired. I said in that episode that we went through all of April without any chicken sickness. And that same day in the evening when I got home, I found Dolores, the same chicken that I talked about, um, who was sick uh, about a month ago now, or maybe a little more. Um, I came home and she had what I thought was a bout of sauerkraut, and I know I didn't jinx it, but at the same time, it does suck. Um, So anyways, um, I came home Wednesday evening. Um, She seemed like she just had sauerkraut. It smelled like sauerkraut. It looked like sauerkraut. I treated her with some apple cider vinegar that Wednesday evening, and after that, it seemed like she was perking up a bit. She was actually outside you know, pecking around a little bit. It seemed like she was eating some grass and bugs outside. Um, But then Thursday, she didn't really seem any better. Um, I tried giving her some more of the apple cider vinegar. I tried to withhold food from her because that is another thing you can try with sauerkraut. But it just seemed to be kind of the same. And then friday was a very very busy day for me we were having my f- husband's family over to celebrate mother's day and so when i got home that day um she wasn't doing well she didn't even want to like she couldn't even get up on the roost in the coop honestly and um by saturday we decided to keep her quarantine from everyone because everyone else they still seemed just fine as they did the last time dolores was sick And it still seems like it was just that she had an upset stomach. Um, I should say, too, though, that Dolores, she never really, like, gained the weight back that she lost from being sick the first time. And so, I don't know, we truly thought that it was just issues with digestion and food. Um, But then by Saturday afternoon, we had her in our chicken jail crate in our shed, um, keeping her warm and um we tried to force feed her water and a little bit of food and last time she was sick she actually did you know show the signs of like trying to swallow and actually trying to eat because it did feel good to her um but this time she she didn't show any attempt to swallow um she was definitely doing a lot worse and even when we would come into the shed to say hi to her she wouldn't open her eyes um and so by Saturday evening, Dolores passed away. So it's always hard um, to lose an animal, and I, that, that's not what this podcast episode is about today. It is going to be about seeds, I promise. Um, but yeah, last time we lost a chicken, we had to put her down ourselves because she knew that we was in, that she was in pain, and I mean, I feel bad saying it, but honestly. When Dolores did pass, it was a little bit of a relief just because, as I said, she hadn't gained the weight back from the last time she was sick, and she was pretty well acclimated with everybody else again, but you could still tell that she was just scared, kind of, and she preferred to be around us. Like, if we let the chickens out to free range, she'd be following us much more closely than everybody else. Um, it's like she thought that, you know, she was supposed to be living in our basement, living with us. Um, so yes. We lost Dolores, but she, you know, she's in a better place now. So anyways, got that sad stuff out of the way. So about seed starting. Um I thought that seed starting would be a relatively simple concept and it is, but there's definitely a lot of technique <laughs> that I didn't really realize was there. So the first thing that I had no idea that you were supposed to do, well, and I should also say too, I didn't really do much research because I thought, okay, starting seeds is pretty darn simple. You just put the seed in the dirt, there we go. But (laughs) I didn't know that it is very, very helpful when you are starting seeds to wet your seed starting mix before you put it in your container. So this is my first time using seed starting mix. I had never bought it before. And so I wasn't very familiar with the texture of it. And as you know, probably, seed starting mix is completely different from potting soil or your soil that's outside. It's much more lightweight. Um, it doesn't really clump together a ton. It's not very sticky like dirt is. And so because of that, when you wet it after the fact, um, it just kind of floods around and it doesn't like absorb the water super like quickly, I guess you can say. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Um, So the first time that I tried starting seeds this year, I put the seed starting mix in my containers and then I put the seeds in and then I watered. But then that just like moved the seeds around a ton it didn't work out. So the first thing that I learned in the world of seed starting is that it's super, super helpful to wet your seed starting mix thoroughly. I literally use one of our mixing bowls in the kitchen. I just use a spoon. I mix it up, add water slowly. That way I don't oversaturate it. And then once you have a nice, good, damp mixture that is somewhat packable, that is when (laughs) you put it into your containers. So That's a huge thing that I learned. Um, The other thing I learned, too, is that I think it's very helpful to actually add some fertilizer. Seed starting mix in itself is very, very nutrient depleted. There's no nutrients in there. So, yes, the seed itself does have the amount of nutrients it needs to get the first set of leaves, which are called the cotyledons. But after that, there's not much going for it. So I have had great success by adding a little bit of granular fertilizer into my seed starting mix and putting that into my containers. So those are the first two things I learned. The second thing is that you don't need any freaking fancy seed starting containers. No trays, nothing. Honestly, I started out by buying some fancy pants seed starting tray that had 12 little um, holes in there. It was self-watering. It had a humidity dome. And honestly, I didn't really have the best success with it. (laughs) I really didn't. Um, Fancy trays are not necessary. And also, I don't think that self-watering trays are necessary either. And actually, I had... Some seedlings, ugh, God, I had some seedlings smell so bad because they got too wet and there was no way to really let them dry out. I mean, yes, I could have taken it off the seed starting mat or the the self-watering mat, but I didn't do that because I didn't know what I was doing. And I had to throw away a lot of really nasty, nasty seeds that never germinated because it got like moldy down there. It smelled like rotten eggs. It was disgusting. So, Have I used the self-watering tray? Nope, I have not. (laughs) I spent the money on it, I have it, uh, and I don't really use it for what it's supposed to be for. Honestly, what I have had the most success with is using simple toilet paper rolls and paper towel rolls. Um, I've seen videos of people doing this online where they take the toilet paper roll And they cut the bottom of it so that they can fold the ends underneath and create like a little mini biodegradable pot. But I don't even do that because I will say I was nervous about the plant actually growing through it because I wasn't sure how quickly it would decompose. Um, In hindsight, I have now found out that it actually does decompose really, really quickly. But honestly, all I do is I just cut my toilet paper rolls or the paper towel rolls into, well, the toilet paper rolls, you can cut those about in half or maybe even into thirds if you want to. And all I do is I just put them into a plastic container, like an old Tupperware container. And then that's it. The beautiful thing about the toilet paper rolls is that you can also water the plants from like without watering them directly on top because as you know seeds are very very prone to moving around if they get too much water on them and so it's can be helpful to water your seedlings from underneath I mean that's the point of the self-watering tray so I mean I understood that but in practice if I I was hoping it would be something that would be very hands-off But because it was so hands-off, I didn't really monitor how wet it got in there and then it got really nasty. So the good thing though with these toilet paper rolls, because just imagine I have the bottom of a Tupperware container and I have it full of these little cylinders of the toilet paper rolls. Inside of there, I have my seed starting mix and my seeds. What's really cool is that if you are careful enough, you can take your watering can and you can water the whole tray from the side. So like you're putting water where there is a void, where there's no toilet paper. So it ends up filling up the container, and then it just wicks up that water from the sides and the bottom of the toilet paper rolls, and it waters your seedlings. But it doesn't do it, like it doesn't keep it too, too damp. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So I have had great success doing this. And also by the time my plants are ready to put out in the garden, That toilet paper roll is so decomposed that it almost does start to tear, so it really doesn't, like, I don't think it's going to give any restriction to the plants or the root system as they're growing. And also the good thing, too, is that the bottom is completely open. Now, the other thing, I thought that this fancy seed starting tray was going to be great. It's nice and hard and sturdy. But then what I discovered is that the sturdier your seed starting tray is, the harder it is to pop that seedling out of there. So I was having to like dig these things out with a spoon. And because I'm brand new to this, I I mean, I didn't have too much seedling damage, but it could have been better. And so the other great thing about these toilet paper rolls is you can just grab the circle and pull it out and then put it where you need to. So I am like a super, super fan of these toilet paper rolls in the... Um, The the paper towel rolls, too. I really, really like it. Now, I have done this with the kohlrabis that we planted outside. And I have done it with a lot of herbs outside. And they're all doing great. So what I have heard, though. So here's kind of some benefits between starting seeds inside and also direct sowing. So the nice thing about direct sowing is that... (laughs) You don't have to deal with all the little seedlings inside so yes i get that if you are short on space it might be very very helpful to just direct sow everything that you can and that was my intent i wanted to direct sow the things that were definitely cold hardy, like the lettuces the beets the carrots the turnips the radishes all of the greens like mustards kale arugula lettuce everything um and so that's what we did and it was fine um We did get pretty good germination rate. But the thing is, though, (laughs) um, it's very, very easy to overseed. And for some things, that's not really a big deal. Like all the lettuces, it's fine. Because honestly, we prefer to have the spring mix. Um, It's just tastier, sweeter. And so for us to harvest little baby leaves that are all smushed together, that's not a big deal. Same way for arugula and kale and mustards and all of that. So that's not a big problem. But so far, I will say that with my beets and turnips, they really aren't doing a ton. And yes, I have gone in and I have thinned the plants out. Now, have I been as on top of it as I should have been? Eh, Maybe not. Um, The radishes we have had great success with, but I think that's probably just because those do... um, They do mature so much quicker than beets and turnips, but right now my beets really aren't that big and I think I have plenty of room. I'm not really sure. Um, So what I'm starting to realize is why everybody starts so many seeds inside, because it allows you to get your spacing correct. So I found this out even more to be true um, in terms of cabbage. And so cabbages, we love cabbage. Um, but the thing is, cabbage does take up a lot of space. And so cabbage was really the only thing that I was super careful about when I direct seeded, um, when I was super careful about how, how spaced out they should be. Um, so in the, the portion of the bed that I was working in, I was going to plant four cabbages, two red, two green, and each one was supposed to take up about a square foot. And so I put, you know, just a few little seeds in the center of each square foot. And I had decent germination, about 50%, I would say. Um, but that's the only plant where I was really that careful with my beets and my turnips. I thought I was being careful because in their designated spot, I made some rows and I put the seeds in. And I still, I got a lot of germination, which is great, but then it also, it just makes it so much harder to thin everything out. And yes, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, thinning out seedlings is really not that bad, but I guess I'm just starting to realize, for all of the things that definitely need lots of space, I'm thinking that I should probably start the seeds inside next year, especially because I know how easy and how I don't need all of those fancy trays. So, I guess what I've learned are a few things here that are going to be hopefully helping me out in fall and also in summer if we do um, any more succession planning for the rest of the summer. Um, But really, it's just the difference between how I want to harvest things. So, for those things where I can harvest like over and over, so the greens, basically just the greens, so like arugula, kale lettuce, um, mustards, things like that. I'm not going to be super careful (laughs) about how I throw the seeds in because if they get overcrowded, it's not that big of a deal because the baby version of that plant is generally a little bit sweeter, a bit tastier, better for salads. And that's how we eat things. But for everything else, like the root vegetables, the cabbages, the herbs. Those are things where they do need their space. Now, I will say dill and parsley and cilantro, I've been able to crowd those in quite fine and they're doing okay. But everything else, like the cabbage, the radishes, the beets, the turnips, the kohlrabis, the beans, the peas, um, the bok choys, All of those things, they need some space so they can grow. So when we get back from the break, I'm going to talk about what I plan to do differently in the fall compared (laughs) to what I did this past spring. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Beauty Counter, the non-toxic skincare brand that I've been using for over two years now and has absolutely saved my skin. As a homesteader, you put so much thought into your gardening and animal husbandry practices because you know the benefits to your health. But your skin is your largest organ. So when you switch to non-toxic products, you can improve your health even more than what you've already done so far through homesteading click the link in the show notes to shop with me. All right. So according to my like gardening Bible, (laughs) my gardening calendar, really that planner that I talked about at the beginning of this podcast, um, according to that, I surprisingly need to start getting things ready to plant or get get things ready for fall planting um, in like August and some even in July. So what I want to do at that time is I want to really focus on only direct sowing the things that I can take multiple harvests from. So as I just said, the lettuces, the greens, all of that stuff, all of the things which the baby versions are generally better than the mature version. Okay. So everything else, I'm probably going to try to sow inside. Now, the good thing about this time around, because it will be summertime when I'm starting these seeds inside, they're going to have a lot more light inside. Um, I'm probably going to have to buy more grow lights for next year, but I'll get to that when I get to that. (laughs) But at least for right now, I am probably going to, well, hopefully I'll have more success just using um, sunlight on the windowsill to get things to start. But anyways, I'm going to have a lot more things starting inside. So what I do want to say though, is that I have heard that generally for root vegetables, you don't want to transplant them because if the root gets disturbed, that's not good. And so that makes total sense to me because the thing that you are trying to harvest is the root. And if you are digging it up at the root, you know, you obviously have a lot higher chances of getting a funny looking, um, funny looking final product, whether it's a beet or a turnip or anything. But because these toilet paper rolls, these little cylinders seem to be going so well. And because in theory, when you're picking up that little tube, of your seedling and the seed starting mix inside of the toilet paper roll you're really not disrupting the root very much so that's what I want to try now do I want to bank on this completely for fall no so I think actually maybe even today or tomorrow I do want to try some more beets um, in this method and see how well they transplant Um, we'll see I know the beets are not supposed to be a summertime thing But I'm hoping that we're going to be getting shade cloth here soon. I still need to do my research on that. Um, But hopefully that can help us get some of these cooler weather things to grow during summer. Um, So we'll see. But that is what I want to try for fall. That's definitely what I have learned. That for the things like that, that just grow and grow and grow, and they need lots of space, it really is helpful to see your little seedlings, be able to space them out, perfectly well as perfect as you can um because it will just help the plant out a ton because as i said my beets that are out there right now they're still really dinky and i don't know if i have them too close to each other i really have no idea um the other thing too is that those greens those are going to get big eventually you know and um if they're too close, they're not gonna get what they need. Cause I mean, I can see that happening with my greens that I have out there. My mustard greens. Oh my gosh, some of them are so big that they are just dwarfing and not letting the plants next to the get next to them get any sunlight. And so I guess I'm just I'm learning even even more intensely um, that things they just cannot be overcrowded. I know that in my big beds, you know, I wanted to get as much as I could in there. But you can only fit so much. So this time around, once fall comes, I'm really hoping that I will have this toilet paper roll kind of (laughs) um, approach kind of mastered by then um, so that I can get a better handle on the spacing in the garden. The other thing too is I am not going to use that self-watering tray. Nope. I am going to completely rely on these toilet paper rolls because they've done great so far and that's about it. So seed starting for me, um, it's definitely been a learning experience. (laughs) I thought it was a lot easier than it is, but it's not. And it also takes a lot of planning. So these past couple weeks, these past months, I really haven't been using my planner, um, my calendar, my garden calendar all that much, but I definitely will have to this time around just because I am no longer going to be just direct seeding everything because when you direct seed everything you can kind of just do it all in one day and be done but if you have all of these different plant varieties you have to do a lot more planning to figure out when that seeding needs to be done so again what I have been doing with my garden calendar is on the monthly spreads of it I refer to the farmer's almanac for our zone and I write down the day that I can transplant those things outside and then of course what I have to do is I have to work backwards um the certain amount of weeks for that specific plant and that is when I have to start it inside so believe it or not that will be here before we know it (laughs) probably next month in June I'm gonna have to really start thinking about that stuff so um yeah I really don't know what else to say about seed starting um it was harder than I thought it would be but Um, I've learned a lot and hopefully this information can help you too. If you are new to the world of gardening, or if you're new to trying to grow most of your food, or if you are just thinking about having a garden later in the year, um, so that's about it for today. Thank you very much for listening. And if you would, please, please leave me, leave me a review either on Apple or Spotify. And if you do, take a screenshot of that review and send it to me on Instagram at the girly homesteader. And I will enter you in to one of my monthly giveaways to win some awesome prizes. So thank you. And I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Girly Homesteader podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you want to share more in my journey, follow me on Instagram at the Girly Homesteader.